Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw, and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers, and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea, and one voice can change the world. So, without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar. Welcome to part one of Neelam's interview with Will Warsey, a 12th grader in Fort Worth, Texas, who is the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Frogs, which has provided over 900,000 meals since 2010. In part one, we hear about what led Will to form the nonprofit, what his plans are for the future, and touch on his experiences during a trip to Japan. Hi, Will. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Not too bad. I wish the weather was a little cooler. <laughs> Here in Texas, it's always fine unless it rains or it hits about 110. It's been known to happen. I know. I don't know if I enjoy Texas summers, but uh, well, we'll take what we've got, right? Definitely. So, well, it's been, what, five years since we last connected? Yeah, 2015 or 2016. It's been a long time. I was back in middle school at that point. Oh my gosh, middle school. You know, the first time I saw you was, I didn't even see you technically because you were standing on a chair of some sort that you had to be propped up on the podium, if you will. Uh, I think it was like a crate. Was it a crate? Is that what they propped you up on? That's why in my early public speaking days, they'd always have a crate or something. God, what is early public speaking two for you? Two years? <laughs> Seven. Seven to ten, I guess, early in my career. You have one of my favorite stories ever that I have this thing that we always speak about where I say that I don't get, I don't believe in inspiration and motivation as one of those things that people need to uh, lean into or look for to do the things that really matter. But when I look at you, seriously, I can use that word. (laughs) Both of those words. So I would love for you to kind of walk me through a little bit about that one moment. Is, it's so etched in my memory of you in the car with your mom or dad who was driving. My dad was driving. Both my parents were there. And I was seven years old and we were coming back from a little league practice. And we were stopped at a stoplight on an intersection. And I saw a man on the street corner holding a sign that read, need a meal. It was a cardboard sign with marker. And I asked my parents, what did that mean? And they explained to me that some people in our community didn't have enough food to eat. And this just baffled me. So I did some research. I went to the Tarrant Area Food Bank, which is close to where I live. And I asked questions. And I decided that I needed to take action in my community. So I gathered my friends and we formed the 501c3 nonprofit organization Frogs for Friends Reaching Our Goals. And we inspire youth to combat food insecurity through fun volunteering projects. At seven, in a car. And were you able to read at that point? Were you able to put the words together? Or Yes, I could read, but it still really confounded me. Uh, and I didn't really understand that there were people who didn't have enough food to eat in my own community, in Texas, in the United States. So that was really eye-opening to me, and it led me on a path of service and using my voice to inspire others. You know, when you went home, you probably sat on the computer. I remember that computer because we have, five years ago, I think that was a different room than the one you're speaking from right now. So you just turn on the, the computer, start 
doing Google research or do you kind of call your mom and you're like, hey, can you help me search why this is happening and where I need to go next? Well, the first major step I took was I asked my parents to take me to the local food bank. And the lady there, very nice lady, took me around and discussed with me all the problems of hunger, childhood hunger and food insecurity that there are in Tarrant County where I live in ways that anyone, even a little kid like me, could help. And I decided that I could gather my friends up and together we could make a significant impact to help those in our community who didn't have enough food to eat. How amazing. And so the moment you spoke with this lady, she walks you around. Obviously, your brains, your mind is just moving into idea mode and you're like, okay, how can I make this happen? What do I need to do? Was it scary a little bit? Like, you know, I wouldn't say scary is not the right word because you're not even thinking about that in that moment. You're just thinking about how to be in service. So what went through your mind when she told you all this information? Of course, there's the initial disbelief. And then you have somebody telling you like, listen, this is the real situation. And obviously there's a part, a little section there where you hear something and then you're trying to process that and see how you can be involved. What was that little, that moment like for you, if you can recall it, I suppose? The way I think of it is kids often think that they can't have a profound impact on the world and on society because they're just not old enough. They're not experienced enough. And when I first started, I tended to get dismissed by adults as just a little kid with big dreams wanting to help others. But I realized that youth have a voice and we can use our passions and certain skill sets to have a profound impact on the world around us. And the most intimidating part was basically striking out on your own and seeing how specifically youth could have this sort of impact. But after Frog was set up, we found that we could help others and I could use my voice to engage and motivate kids to take action in their communities and to mobilize them. How amazing. (laughs) So that initial part, right? So you put something into action and then there was the bit where you actually had to go talk to people. And I'm guessing that the response was favorable because my sense would be, wow, he's doing something really cool. I should back him even if I may not be directly involved. Was the response very positive and were people willing to either contribute time or resources or help in any which way they could? Yes. When we first started, it was about 10 or 11 kids on my Little League baseball team. But ever since then, Frogs has grown and we've gained a lot of support from people in the community. And it's very humbling to have this support from volunteers and people who want to get involved in this organization. And I'm very thankful for their help. That's amazing. And I'm guessing when you see people come together that way, it probably reinforces your initial vision of, hey, I got to do something, but look, now I have a bit of an army to back me and we can do this together. Yes. Inspiring and reaching out to people is a great way to get support for your cause. And it's great to be united on the front to break down barriers. So how does this play into the current situation, right? We have an ongoing pandemic and people are in their homes. How do you reach out to people at this time? It's a very good question because before the pandemic, our largest program was Frog's Dinner Club, where we would go to food deserts, partner up with the Boys and Girls Club there, and give them a catered, healthy, well-balanced meal 
as well as getting them involved in various service projects. But now that the current situation has happened, we've had to adapt, and now we have to communicate and correspond mostly online. And the biggest problem has been adapting to this new digital environment where we can't do things in person. Now, obviously, uh, doing the catered meals can't really happen, at least over the summer. So what we had to do was we had to do our service projects uh, engaging with volunteers online and putting together bags of shelf-stable food, the positive messages written on them to be distributed to people in the community. And it's really interesting to see how we can work out and how we can survive. Even if our organization is based on interacting with people, we can still find ways to help indirectly. That is amazing. That's truly entrepreneurial. Would you ever want to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I'm not sure if entrepreneurship, there's a lot of risk there, but I have lots of respect for people who do that sort of thing. I just like seeing me and my community, making plans, gathering friends, and then setting out to change the world in a productive way. Well, you have the core attribute, which is being resourceful. But the really important thing there is, and I play in that space, as you know, and one of the things I look for in any conversation I have or any which way, right, it's that it's not just doing the thing or building something. It's really building it with some intention, with the desire to possibly leave some kind of good along the way. And I think you truly embody that. So kudos to you. Thank you. Ten years, well, right? So you were seven. You saw this at eight, seven. You're 17 now. It's been a decade, and a lot has changed. Did you ever think, and I don't know, maybe this is a good question for you, for your mom or dad, is that moment of you asking them the question and you registering your not-for-profit, did they ever think that, I wouldn't say, you know, because everyone can have an idea, but not everyone sticks with it. So do you think your mom and dad are also very happy and pleasantly surprised that you've stuck with this mission? And not only that, you're actually creating sizable impact. How many people have you fed so far through your programs? We have provided an estimated 900,000 meals to people in the community. Oh my God, that is amazing. I wish someone could see my face right now. That's amazing. Congratulations, Will. Thank you. To you, to you and everyone who's supporting you as well, because this is not something we can anyone can do on their own, but it does take one person to say, this is not right, and I will try to change it. And I think you're already doing that. So congrats. Great job on that. Thank you. It is very much a community effort. And especially my parents who have supported me, even though they weren't exactly sure what I was doing. And I'm ever thankful and grateful for what they've done, especially with driving me around because I was elementary school kid, as well as helping with the IRS stuff <laughs> to get our nonprofit 501c3 free. All the grown-up stuff. And now you have a driver's license? Yes, the grown-up. <laughs> you have a driver's yes, license? Yes, I just got it. First try. Congratulations. I don't have one. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's true. I heard somewhere that the real sign of a New Yorker is somebody who doesn't have a driver's license and doesn't know how to swim. I've checked both boxes. <laughs> uh, you should always pray to learn. You know, thanks, Will. I think this part of the, the recording will be sent to my parents and my sibling because they have been pestering me to try and at least get a driver's license. So, Will, what comes next in terms of projects or things that you want to do? I mean, I know you'll probably come up with newer ways of contributing. I know frogs will always be the 
the baby, right? Like that's your first thing that you put into the world. What else is going on with you in terms of life and other projects that you might want to do to help people? Well, frogs, I'm always developing and working on ways to grow frogs and have a bigger impact that's more profound here in Fort Worth. But as I get older and I'm going to go into college, I really want to focus on my career. And I have discovered what I believe is the perfect career for me because I have passions for international travel, history, languages, and diplomacy. So after I hope to get into Texas A&M University and major history, I am very excited to reach to become a foreign service officer in the U.S. Department of State, which is basically working embassies and consulates around the world, helping American citizens and working with foreign diplomats, which is something I've always wanted to do because I've always wanted to travel the world and build connections between America and foreign countries so we can build uh, more fruitful, peaceful relationships. That's amazing. So I can totally see you do this. You know, I'm always watching you, even if it's five years on, I'm always watching your journey because I truly believe you not only go places, as Dr. Zhu says, but you also contribute. And I think that will never change in whatever you, you decide to do. So congratulations on picking that path. Are you excited about any particular country that you'd like to visit? That's a very good question. I've been brushing up on Portuguese, so maybe Brazil. And then there are basically anywhere in Europe, South and Southeast Asia. And basically, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> as, as long as there's a plane involved and a destination and for you to explore new things, you're, I think, a, a go on most, most places, wouldn't you be? Yes, I'm up for anything, any experience I'm ready for. But that makes me wonder, though, uh, what's your next big project? What are your plans for the future? Oh, God. My first next big project is really the one you're a part of right now. It's the podcast. And seriously, I haven't talked to you too much about this, but what brought this on was something had transpired. I'm in India at the moment. I think I've, I've shared that with you. And um, something happened in India about two months ago where we lost a really talented artist and someone I, I admired his body of work. And he was just 34 as of the past 48 hours, there's been some sort of shifts and movements in getting the right type of uh, audience paying attention to his life, but also bringing justice to him because we discovered after the fact that he was probably wrongfully murdered. And when I went through that phase, it was about two months ago. I'll be honest, I had a moment of bre breakdown. And uh, because I was watching his career trajectory, it was very impressive. I knew he was he was just destined for really cool things and he had he was what he was a quintessential polymath. Anyone who's listening to this can look him up. His name is Sushant Singh Rajput. And it really affected me. I didn't know him. I think I knew him by the way of his work and his movies. And it put me in this state of deep questioning. And I started asking myself if I was really doing the thing that I said I was going to do. And when I quit my life in New York, um, I didn't know this would be the hiatus I would be on in terms of being out of the country for this long. But the journey of, you know, just doing your own thing isn't an easy one, which you quite rightly pointed out earlier. It, it, there's a lot of risks involved in it. And going back to that fundamental of, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I in alignment? Am I doing the thing that 
moves through me very simply and from a very real place, if you will. I, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't paying as much attention to my poetry, my writing, and really doing things just because I love them. And I'm not trying to say everything in my business has agendas or anything like that. It's more that you're so much on this like pattern of go, 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 right? That you don't really have time sometimes for that kind of deep self-reflection and contemplation. And when I went through that phase about two and a half months ago, like I was mentioning to you, I definitely broke down and again, brought myself to asking myself those big questions that I've always kind of been okay with asking. But when you're working these like crazy hours, different time zones, it can sometimes get in the way of doing that self uh, introspection. So for me, my next big thing is, is this moment, actually, this was the thing that I just really enjoy doing. And even when I was thinking about the podcast itself, I was very clear that I don't want this podcast to be about just talking about the things that I do in terms of entrepreneurship, but I really want this podcast to be about people meeting really amazing people that I know. I, I have had the good privilege of our paths also crossing, right? So I've, I've crossed with so many people's paths that there was no way for me not to create something around this and bring stories that matter like yours into the vortex of some somebody who might really need this or who knows, might get inspired, right? We just don't know where our work takes us, but just doing work and getting back to that fundamental place, which was very painful to get to this, this past two and a half months, for me, this moment and this conversation with you is an embodiment of that. So my next project is underway, you know, and we'll see where it goes, of course, because like I said, there's no destination in mind. It's just good conversations, real conversations, deep, meaningful dialogue with, with people who are just doing exemplary work that may not be in anyone else's focus. That's what I want to do. Like, I enjoy this. I'm glad you're following your passions. And I'm uh, glad that during this time, uh, this summer, you've been able to focus on yourself and how to follow those passions. And I'm glad you're applying them and making something out of them. Like uh, my favorite quote from Walt Disney is, the best way to get started is to quit dreaming and start doing, or paraphrasing, of course. But that's awesome. Thanks, Will. I appreciate the support. I love that you quoted Walt Disney. He's one of my favorites, and he's definitely one of those extremely gifted and talented people that I know we both didn't get to meet, but we talk about him in these type of conversations. So thank you for the encouragement. It means the world to me. So, Will, both our hands are full in different ways, but do you have time to even date? That's not really a priority for right now. I just really want to survive high school and get into a good college. But I'm open. I'm currently a bachelor. Well, you know, this will not be the case for too long. But I will share that it does become really challenging sometimes to meet people, especially when you're traveling. So I'm just forewarning you with your nomadic adventures and play in the future. And of course, you you may end up meeting someone on your journey too. So we, we're always open, right? But it is tough. It is really tough to think about dating when you're doing this kind of immersive work where you just don't know how tomorrow is planned and you don't know which direction it's going to take you in. Are you looking to maybe do anything other than academia or frogs? Is there anything else that you'd like to create or uh, anything else that you're interested in? Well, I'm actually a travel blogger and a bit of a writer. <laughs> I didn't know this. Wow, I'm glad I asked the question. Yeah, some fun projects I've been working on. What's the website? It's called willtravel.blog. 
And I've been on a bit of a hiatus. I've taken a lot of trips and I need to get back to posting. Mostly it's just documenting my pursuit of my favorite book of all time, A Thousand Places to See Before You Die by Patricia Schultz, and documenting every location I have ever traveled to and knocking out all of those quick sessions. So it's basically just a passion project and I just enjoy working on it. Do you have one of those giant maps in your room and are you tagging it for the country? With the, are you pinning them? Are you doing that? My room recently got repainted, so I had to take it down. But I had a big dry erase one. I had to get rid of that. It peeled. But I love drawing random travel routes and stuff on it. And I also have one of those uh, bulletin boards with an old map my grandfather had. And it's still at the Soviet Union stuff on it. And I felt bad putting pushpins in it. But I would document everywhere I've been. Australia, Belize, Mexico, France, England, uh, Japan. And basically, it looks like one of those boards and movies when someone's trying to follow a conspiracy and it has those uh, threads attached to postcards and pictures everywhere. That's what my pin board looks like. You know, they have a magnetic version now, which is really cool. And it lets oh, really? Yeah, 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 I'll see if I can look it up and send you the link for it. It's it's something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's something that I want to actually get. But and then it comes in different um, sizes, sizes and stuff as well. So I'll I'll look that up for you. <laughs> so Thank you, you. Did you enjoy Japan? Yes, I went with Fort Worth sister cities, and because I really like diplomacy, I got heavily involved in that organization, and it is amazing. Fort Worth has one of the best sister cities programs in the country. And we went to Nagaoka, Japan, which is in the Niigata Prefecture. Basically, if you went west from it, you'd either end up in Russia or North Korea. And it was a very transformative experience for me because it was the first time I had been somewhere where I didn't know the language. Because I'd gone with them before to our newest sister city in France. But for two years in preparation for that trip, I studied French and I became translated for it. Of course you did. It was wild. The town we visited had been firebombed by the U.S. in 1945, a couple days before Hiroshima was hit. And it was very interesting because to celebrate that, they have one of the world's largest fireworks festivals, or Hanabi. And we also went to an onsen, which is basically a heated spa. Mm -hmm. And you can't wear clothes in there. So that was strange just nothing absolutely nothing nothing <laughs> nothing okay good to know so it's weird it's a travel experience but by far the weirdest strangest and a bit disturbing for an american was squid pancakes <laughs> hey they have they have squid pancakes in american restaurants too you know american japanese restaurants you know but i, I don't i don't think i've only had scallion uh, but that's it's, not even Japanese, I suppose. Well, as a Texan who eats beef all the time, <laughs> and whose seafood is flown in four hours inland, squid in a pancake form is really something. I'm sure it tasted good. Their food is amazing. No? <laughs> okay. I'm sure for some people it tasted good. I'm not going to knock Japanese culture. It's just not my thing. Yes, I've learned that all seafood lovers are not the same. 
So some people will call themselves sushi eaters, but they will not touch any other forms of like seafood. They'll just eat sushi and that's about it. That's the extent to which they will go. I enjoyed the sushi there. It was actually very good. They also had this uh, weird barbecue style. Not barbecue, but they have a restaurant and you sit on it and there's a grill in the middle of the table. Maybe it's a common thing in the United States, <laughs> Texas, but what's the guest backwater on that beef trend thing? <laughs> so the one question I have to absolutely ask is the most important question today is, is it true about the toilets? Is it true that they have really, the seats get warmed up and there's like 50 buttons on it? Did, did you experience that? <laughs> Yes. It wasn't like stepping into a spaceship or anything, but it was comfortable. <laughs> yes, that's what I've heard. I've actually seen videos on YouTube uh, where people have actually, ex- I mean, not while they were using it, of course. They walked in and just showed how this works and there were so many settings. <laughs> so, you know, I was supposed to go to Japan this year before the pandemic. And it's definitely one of those places I do feel, I think I'm going to have some Another sort of reconnection with Eastern roots and and looking at how civilization operated as well. So that was part one of Neelam's interview with Will Lorsey. In the next episode of Words and Voices, you'll hear part two of the interview, where Will talks more about travel and the impact it can have. You can find out more about Will at willlorseyfrogs.com. That's W-I-L-L-L-O-U-R-C-E-Y. F-R-O-G-S dot com. Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers, and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at neelamtawar.com. Till we meet next, and as Neelam says, be good to you.